Come on! The ship is going to explode! What are you doing? Find me when you wake up. What? Come find me when you wake up. Welcome to Paradox, the time travel podcast. I'm Nick Hurwich. I'm Phil Hornshaw. We are co-authors of the books, So You Created a Wormhole and the time here the time yeah the time heroes guide to glory it's a time travel podcast the it's space heroes fucking, guide to glory yeah, you got it uh, <laughs> yep you should buy those um, you've heard this before if you yeah blah 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 if this blah, is blah. your first time that'd be kind of weird i feel like it would be i mean unless you're out. a big fan of uh live die repeat the edge of tomorrow all you Which need I is am. kill whatever this movie is titled as you should be um and you're coming in for the, the time travel takes. Uh, what we do on this podcast, if it is your first time, is boilerplate. We reach our hands deep into the tangled webs of time travel movies, mostly some books, some TV shows, and attempt to untie, demystify, and analyze the time travel therein. So things are going to get complicated, confusing, and weird. But our hope is that by the end of each episode, you'll understand your favorite time travel stories on a deeper level than ever before. Uh we have a, a, a few follow-up items before we get started Sweet. breaking down Live, Die, Repeat. Um, the first of which is, <laughs> I, I failed to mention this last week, but I meant to, which is, uh, you know, our, our rating on iTunes is pretty good. Um, I think like all five-star ratings and reviews and there's one four star in there, we'll take it. Uh, and then <laughs> after our brutal... Uh, takedown of basically every frame of Project Almanac. <laughs> we received an anonymous one-star review, um, and I'm going to headcanon that it was one of the co-writers of Project Almanac who probably gets a Google alert whenever his movie Aww. is mentioned and probably yeah. started to listen to us. And um, Or it was like Project Almanac fan number one, and they just right. they didn't like our In either honesty. case, sorry. Yeah, uh, we'll buy you a beer if you want. No, I'm not that sorry, but <laughs> I I will use it as leverage to say all of you who do enjoy the podcast and very much appreciated our detailed analysis of Project Almanac should go and leave us a review on your podcasting uh, platform of choice. Uh, it helps yeah. us be seen and found and all that good stuff. So we yeah, appreciate it. People- if people actually listen to the thing, we might be inclined to actually record them. Hey. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but for real, it's actually been good since we got back. Like, it's been great. First of all, it was it was shocking to us that we continued to rack up like, you know, not a ton, but like 1,500 unique listens a month while we were not recording anything for nine months, um, which yeah. is pretty cool. Like people just finding it and sharing it and whatever. Yeah, it was very cool. And, you know, and since we came shocking, back. Shocking, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, extremely shocking, given that we were putting literally nothing out there. Uh, and so, you know, people seem to have come right back since we restarted. So we appreciate it. Yeah, um, we really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, next follow-up item is that last week on, well, last episode on the podcast, when we reviewed Bill and Ted, not reviewed, we, we broke down <laughs> Bill and Ted's most excellent adventure. Um I we erroneously stated <laughs> that the sequel, uh, uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, was not a time travel movie. Uh, but it does involve time travel. 
I yeah. don't think it's as timey-wimey as the first one, but it does involve like a future evil overlord like making android copies of right ted and sending them back in time to try and stop them from becoming the saviors of humanity so there's time travel involved uh, as it turns out i don't think either of us have actually seen it and that I, might be a result of the marketing that i always thought it was about the weird guy um with the white makeup and like going to hell yeah, and I didn't know. I guess I just missed it altogether, which I, is just what? shocking to me. I have seen it. I was probably like ten at the time. Mm. I mean, it was probably close to when it came out. It came out in ninety one. Like uh, I probably saw it shortly thereafter, and you know, in the early nineties. And so my memory of it was that oh, they went to hell, and it is that exactly what you just described is my memory. Yeah, I of don't. It. I didn't. I missed it altogether. Yeah, at, like I when you mentioned the androids, I was like, oh, that sounds kind of familiar. Right. But I don't know. I I have no idea, honestly. So I guess we got to do Bogus Journey some point. Yeah, I think we're going to have to watch it to de- like first yeah. to determine the extent to which it's a time travel movie. So it's either going to be its own future episode or if it's kind of only tangentially time travel related, we'll like we'll just do a segment on it on a future episode. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Um okay, cool. Uh, so the, uh, third, well, third follow-up is that if you listen to the last episode, you know, we announce at the end of each episode, what we're going to do for the, the following episode. Uh, and I talked about how I owned a copy of the source material for Edge of Tomorrow, which, uh, is a, a Japanese novel, uh, novella. I mean, it's pretty short. I think it's under 200 pages, um, called all you need is kill which is a much cooler title but i don't know maybe not as marketable um question mark and i had designs to read it but i didn't so that's one a my bad but also (laughs) you know i feel like most people listening to this podcast will have seen the movie and not read the book so that's another one where maybe next episode or uh, on a on a future episode we'll do a little segment on how the book compares to the movie maybe we'll even do a mini episode if it warrants it um so it'll yeah. give you guys time to read the book i'll have time to read the book uh and then give it to phil and yeah so we'll get there eventually yeah, i keep not... meaning to read it so me too yeah it just actually did, didn't happen there's like a i should check my kindle there's probably a 40 percent chance i already own it and it's yeah. just sitting in my giant library of books that I never read. My like my like retroactive uh, rationale for why I didn't read it other than I didn't have time is that, you know, we like to keep these podcasts focused and we didn't want to have to I- keep intercutting with b- a book you haven't read, you know? So we're just going to sure. focus on the movie today. And uh, that's my excuse. Yeah. And I'm sticking it kind of mostly, it. I feel like when we do multiple sources, it kind of just ends up being a comparison. It's like, okay, let's stop. And talk about how the other piece handles this moment. And is it better or worse? And then we just kind of just like you said, it's tangential, like basically all the time. Yeah. So uh, I like it better when we can dedicate time to stuff a little Likewise. more. Yeah, we already have enough problem keeping these episodes to an hour and a half. So that's true. You know, let's <laughs> let's go with that reason. Oh, we're going with an hour and a half now. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah, that's true. Under two hours. Shut up. Well, well, I mean, like we started it, we were going for 60 minutes, like yeah. 
originally. Well, and look at look at like the last <laughs> ten episodes, and it's like last week our episode was longer than Bill and Ted itself. Yeah, so that's always that's that's kind of the marker. Can we keep the analysis of the movie under the movie runtime yeah, itself? The runtime. And the answer is no, we can't. No, apparently not. <laughs> Absolutely not even not. close. No, it's pretty bad. It's uh, not like we even have a mailbag or anything that we're dealing with. This is no. the most we've ever spent ahead of the movie. That's true. <laughs> I think, like, actually dealing with housekeeping. So yeah, no we usually ramble for ten minutes, right? Uh, so that that uh, is a good time to segue to today's movie, um, which is Edge uh, of Tomorrow. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow, which or, was. Which is called, okay, so uh, like we said, based on a movie called All You Need Is Kill, it was called Edge of Tomorrow, which to be fair, like Edge of Tomorrow is just like such a non-title. It's a it's bad like, title. It's like and that could be a rom-com or it could be a war movie, which I guess this kind of is. Like it doesn't tell you what the movie is about. And so the fun like side story is that I mean, the not fun side story is that this movie didn't do very well, despite it being it's really, really, really good. Um, and like everybody who saw it liked it. And for whatever reason, it just didn't uh, pick up steam in yeah. theaters. No, I mean, I certainly I very much think it was a marketing problem. A lot of people have talked about this. The trailer is a little bit hard to follow. The The title doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it was coming off of, I think, three in a row Tom Cruise movies that were just sort of weirdo sci-fi movies that also had weird titles and were hard to understand. Yeah, there's definitely you know? like a, a, I don't want to say an oversaturation, but there's a saturation of Tom Cruise movies. Well, I mean, like, I personally think Tom Cruise is, is great. I oh, mean, me too. You know, whatever, whatever issues people might have with him personally, yeah, he's but a phenomenal an actor. actor and he's great at these things. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, what was the other one? Oblivion, I think it was called. Which oh, is yeah. the one where he's a weirdo astronaut um, right, right, all right. alone. And I don't know. I think there were others too. But the point is, like, you've got just all these weirdo Tom Cruise movies, and he always has the kind of like the same haircut. And they all kind of look like the same sort of idea where he's, he's doing a lot of running and sci fi things are happening in the background. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, could, I can understand people not really getting what the hell was going on here. Um, but. It's a real shame because Edge of Tomorrow is phenomenal. So good. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I mean, well, if you haven't seen it, uh, you shouldn't be listening to this. You should watch it first before Go we watch it. break down the time travel. That's always true in our I, episodes. I think you have to rent it. I think you got to pay, right? I don't think it's I don't think it's streaming anyplace. Yeah, I anymore. mean, though I be. think I feel like I got a Blu-ray off Amazon for like twelve bucks. It's like, dude. Here's the other thing. If you've got 3D TV capabilities, uh, I highly recommend the 3D version. Oh, is it 3D? Uh huh. It's very good. I saw it in the theater in 3D, and man, I know a lot of people don't get into 3D. I have come around on 3D a little bit. Not every movie, some movies. This is one of them. Um, it's especially if you can sit like far back from it. Fucking awesome. Uh, so and, good. Uh, as an added bonus, this movie is actually in 4D. Oh, shit. But I'm. Time travel. I've joke. done that. I've done that. Oh, oh you're talking oh. about you're, you're oh, talking, talking about, about that the thing. real thing. No, no, I was talking about time travel. Dude, you were okay, about. so here's another thing. If you have um, a theater, no, a local theater, do not endorse. You're not going to endorse this on the podcast. It shit is fun. No, it's, it's super stupid. Fun. It's great Come for a on. bad movie. I saw Alien Covenant well, in 4DX, and it it greatly increased my enjoyment of the experience. It's like those <laughs> dumb like 
theater rides they have it you know yeah. disney and universal where yeah, like shit runs water. under the the seat and your seat moves you yeah and it's just like air and water and it shakes it's great oh my God. you're gonna see a movie you already don't like Ugh. um it's no it's fun it then turns into a ride i'm telling you alien covenant i'd seen alien covenant th- twice already by then i was not a fan I, I am not a fan of that movie uh we could talk about that some other time but it was a lot more fun when everything was shaking around and spraying me in the face with water and you know right. blood splatters and stuff it was great anyway yeah yeah it Don't distracted you from how crap the movie yeah. was i actually haven't seen that but <laughs> i've heard not good things <laughs> um but that's a that that was a long way around to so when it came to uh, uh after theater distribution so video on demand and blu-ray etc they actually put like i'm looking at the blu-ray right now yeah. it says on there live die repeat like they basically renamed the movie. Well, that was uh, the tagline. And at and the bottom, it says, along with Cruz Blunt, it says Edge of Tomorrow, like in, in small right. letters. So, like, it's all actually, about the same size. Yeah, it's tiny. <laughs> and like, Live Die Repeat, also a bad title. However, it does tell you what the movie is like. Yeah, you know? a little closer. So, right? uh, you know what's you know what's dumb is like. So it's a thing in Hollywood where. You inevitably, when you're like writing or pitching a movie, you, you know, or or even if you're talking about a movie, really, in shorthand, you're like, oh, it's like this other movie. You know, you use that as a touchstone, a movie someone else has seen. Or commonly, yeah. the thing is like, it's, it's this meets that, right? right? Like you slam two movies together, like the concepts, and then like you have a brand new movie, right? Yeah. But for whatever reason, uh, like, Movies don't want to do that in marketing. You know what I mean? Even though, no. like, obviously it's an easy shorthand. I bet if they had just been like, well, it's, it's probably copyright. You don't own, you don't I always don't, own the other I movie, right? Does that really matter? Because you're I not, don't know. you're just, okay, no, 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 like, but like, this is Somebody what you would do. Trademark. You'd play the fucking trailer, and then like the guy with the voice would be like, it's basically Groundhog Day with. Fucking well, mech suits. It's a war movie. That's yeah. Groundhog Day. Like that, and you'd be like, "Oh, yeah. okay, I got it." Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I feel like trailers used to do this too. That, but they would. It was the studio pimping its own movies. Like, if sure. you loved yeah. uh, this old movie with Humphrey Bogart, then you'll enjoy this new movie yeah. with Gary Grant. And yeah, like, they don't yeah, do that was, anymore. There's that a lot. Yeah, uh, it's actually shocking that um, someone didn't do a like. Someone didn't do this movie, like a sci-fi or action movie version of Groundhog Day until, you know, 25 years yeah. after Groundhog Any Day. Any time in the last two decades. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and in the, fact, and then we've got uh, the recently released Happy Death Day is the same concept, but as a slasher movie. Oh, really? I didn't know that. How, why aren't people turning these out all the time? It's well, great. Well, it, it's happening now. It's happening. Well, I mean, like, kind We of. ran out of 80s shit, like Stranger well, Things took the last of the 80s shit, and now we're yeah. on the 90s shit. Yeah, good point. Uh, uh, Groundhog Day, another one we haven't done on this podcast, uh, somewhat erroneously. Like, I don't know. Well, we're. I guess we'll see if we run into this problem right now. But uh, I don't. Uh, I wonder if it's going to be really something you can super analyze. I think we just get into some existential talk. Yeah, uh, with Groundhog Day. But then again, we might be there today so yeah we might be there today we'll see uh anyway <laughs> we love groundhog day and you should see so it. good um okay and actually that's another good segue to like 
Okay, so the the way we usually do things is that we kind of march through the plot of the movie, and then afterwards we kind of break down the timelines or extrapolate to what the timelines are. Uh, Live, Die, Repeat is it's a loop movie, and so yeah. the main character is experiencing the loops as we are, more or less. We'll talk about like how, that, but it, it's chronological, right? So you right. don't have issues with with uh, you know trying to figure out what came first and like overriding timelines it's it's a loop and so it's more about just like counting off the loops um so we're gonna do that so we're gonna kind of combine them like our plot summary and our our breakdown of the timelines is gonna be uh one and the same so i mean essentially the way the movie works is um the timelines run out until uh cage uh tom cruise's character is killed and then they reset. So the, effectively, like it's running timelines all the time. But the only person who is really aware or the only person whose story matters, it's kind of like Marty McFly, right? He's getting into these new timelines, resetting them. They're coming out different all the time. So they're just like, in theory, you're just like rattling off all these universes where just other things happened. Things went differently. Right. But for this one dude, he's he's going through all of it until he gets the timeline right. Basically. Yeah, and because so. he's because he is resetting, like he's waking up in his own body again, and he's not traveling back. There's no right. issues with doubles. Like you don't have anything like that. It's, yeah, you're it's just, just his consciousness repeating the day tra- that's traveling. Yeah, right. This is the way I think we can understand it. It's it's like his his soul, pretty much in a yeah. way. Yeah, um, I mean it's. You know, I feel yeah, like it's sh- fairly straightforward in that in that way, right? It like is. It's, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, and they, you know, like I said, the it's just the day resets. That's the easy yep. way, easiest way to think about it. Um, so in that way, it's like, you know, it's not a well, I, I, it is a time travel movie. Obviously, it's a time travel right. movie, but you know, there's no time machine involved. Um, you're kind of stuck in this loop. But yeah, this the movie, time machine is basically the big alien monster. Yeah. That they're trying to find. Um, this movie uses that simple, relatively simple idea to great effect. Uh, it is yeah. awesome. So the first 25 minutes of the movie, the first act basically is, is loop one. It's the first, yeah. it's the first time through Tom Cruise is basically like he's, he's a major in the U S army, but he's basically yeah. just like a propagandist. He's out there to sell the war, sell these mech suits, get people to enlist. Um, and, yeah, it's like uh, a vanity rank. It's it's uh what's it called when it's like honorary almost. Yeah, he's not meant to fight and indeed he's a coward. Um so <laughs> when the general sends him to the front lines uh to kind of like record, you know, V-Day as it were, uh he like doesn't want to go and he tries to run and he's basically like court-martialed <laughs> inst- yep. insta-court-martialed into uh being a new recruit stripped of his rank and he's thrown in with the grunts um with j squad as it were yeah and uh good bunch of dudes like those guys (laughs) um so yeah that's all fun so like we're you know our starting point is uh tom cruise is uh or or william cage bill cage is a fucking coward and he has never fought. He even says like he did ROTC in college. Like that's right. the extent of his combat training and knowledge. So it's it's almost nothing. 
he has uh-huh. no training at whatsoever either with the uh, the mech suits that he's been pimping on TV that they think are going to turn the tide of the war. Right. Right. They're these they call them jackets and they're basically they're powered suits that allow uh, soldiers to move fast and to kind of drop out of planes without really worrying about it. So that's cool. They've got they've got uh, missiles and machine guns loaded into the arms, yeah. but they seem to have like a really short battery capacity. <laughs> which is kind of a problem. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah lasers, so he doesn't even know like, how it works. It lasts you like a day, right? It yeah. seems like a day. Uh, no, it's uh, it seems like less than that. It seems I mean, like your mech suit will get you through one battle, right? Yeah, I suppose so. They have to abandon their suits when they finally get off the beach. They're abandoning well, their suits by yeah, like, let's the get, second let's, part. Let's get there and we'll... So. we'll anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, what else do you learn? You learn... Uh, you learn about Emily uh, Blunt. Yeah, character. you learn there's this there's this super soldier who who Cage is using to uh, in his effort his propaganda effort um, Rita Pataski, who is known as the Angel of Verdun. Um, yeah, who like led uh, human troops to the first victory against these alien hordes, and yeah. like they had never won a battle before, and she basically kicked fucking ass, and like yeah. everyone thinks, everyone thinks it's the suit, and just like her amazing output, and they think that with everybody in these suits and her leading the charge, they're going to just like pincer attack, uh, yeah. mainland Europe and win win the war, at least turn the tide right. of the war. Yeah, basically, what happened at Verdun was. It was one of the first battles where they introduced the jackets. Emily Blunt's character, Rita, had barely any training with the thing, and she just mopped the floor with what the these monsters, which are called mimics. They're like sort of bioorganic or biomechanoid starfish things. And I think there's backstory as to why they're called mimics in the book. Uh, well, it has even, something to do with like I can't remember exactly why. Even but, in the movie, they they say early on that they've they they learn. Uh, human movements and tactics, um, and so they're. Oh, is that what that's about? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, thought, that... but I thought they like actually copied life forms, and like the first copy, or not, not many, but like one, and like the first thing they encountered was starfish or something like that. I thought there was backstory for this. Oh, really? I, feel like uh, I have not heard that, but like, I mean, that's the... a whole other thing. It's not in the movie, so right. Sorry. And in the context of the movie, they make it out to be like because of how the mimics learn so that like people are already aware of how it learns and like the battle tactics. They're like, that's a, that's a little, that's a little nod to time travel right there. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't, yeah. I never caught that before. Yeah. So in so far as like none of them are aware that these things can control time or affect time, they're at least recognizing like, Hey, you know, we use this tactic and they're using it against us or yeah, we use this tactic and they anticipated it and like, and we're able to, counter it perfectly um right so in at least in the movie that's the the origin of mimic gotcha um, okay so yeah but then at verdun uh rita basically helped them win right and it was uh with the new introduction they think it's they think the jacket is basically responsible for that right like she's great but she didn't really have a lot of training she was she seems to be an every soldier kind of thing and that's that's the propaganda is they want all the soldiers to think we're going to put you in this mech suit and you're going to be a badass yeah and that'll be that and um so and it's also the impetus for this big invasion right so th- that's also the important thing uh england is separated obviously from the mainland so it's kind of like world war Two, in that the mimics have been pushing um across europe toward russia and basically spreading out and taking everything over 
right? right? So they're the they're headed to France. They're going for Normandy. Yeah, they're taking right? off from uh, the you know the main military Heathrow. Base where Yep. Heathrow the airport. Yeah. And yeah, and they're going to go they're going to France and the biggest mechanized. There's a lot of there's a lot of really cool or fun like little World War 2. Definitely. Uh, and yeah, and so they're they're going it's the biggest mechanized invasion ever. The plan is to just use these jackets to wipe out the mimics. And it's important because they mention later basically that the Verdun victory is the impetus for this giant invasion that's going to be that's if it were to fail like it does, it would decimate the human forces, the remaining human forces. Right. Right. They're this basically like throwing everything. Attack. Yeah. They have everything. They're throwing everything they can at this invasion. Um, and... So just like that's some background that's super kind of necessary for what the aliens have going on. Right. Right. So, and this whole attack is predicated on the idea that the aliens don't know what's coming. Like, yeah, the, yep. the humans have never actually uh, mounted like a real offensive. Um, yeah, and exactly. The aliens have no reason to believe it's coming. So they think that this is like a surprise attack. And it's more than a surprise attack. Yeah. It's like everybody, you know, what we see is one front of the battle. Like they're theoretically attacking from all sides. Um, yeah. It's everything. They're throwing everything, the remaining united, you know, Earth protectorate, basically. Yeah. What those guys have, that's what they're throwing at it. Um, great. There's just great stuff. Before even time travel kicks in, like. Bill Paxton is amazing. R. I know he's so good. Um, one of his one of his last fantastic performances, um, and you know Tom Cruise is great playing the coward. Uh, and they you know they go into battle, and uh, it's basically a massacre. Like the mimics are yeah. ready for them, and even before they start deploying onto the beach out of their drop ships, the ship gets hit, and yep. it's chaos, and like people are falling out of the sky. Um, and yeah. you know, Tom Starship Cruise, Troopers thing going on. I love it. Totally. Uh, Such a good great scene. Yeah. All of it's just fantastic. Uh and like Cage, like one of the early gags is that Cage doesn't even know how to turn his safety off on his weapon. Yeah. On which he finally figures out uh like minutes before he dies. So people are getting yeah. owned by just these in time mimics. to shoot a thing that's about to hit him in the face, pretty much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um and so like the important bit here is that he uh, uh, he's kind of hiding. He finally gets his weapon working. I think he kills one mimic, and then there's this huge one that's like blue and yeah. like seems to be breathing. Yeah, like his mouth is a a fucking fighter jet engine. Yeah, it's like a jet engine. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so it's a huge one. It turns around. It's like coming at coming at him, and he grabs um like a claymore mine. Yeah, it's a claymore mine. Just before that, and like blows it and himself up and is thusly covered in this thing's blood or whatever substitutes melts his face yeah Yeah, it's disgusting um and then he wakes up where he did the day before in handcuffs on top of a bunch of bags uh at heathrow and um so now we're into loop two and um and he kind of goes through loop two in a daze like not understanding He's like ever just not understanding why he's not dead or if he is dead. Uh, right. Everything is happening exactly the same, and so he anticipates a little bit, but kind of to himself. He gets um, it right away. Well, no, isn't he already? Don't they have to duct tape him in that loop? Or am I thinking of one more? No. Yeah. Not yet. Uh, oh. Uh, but yeah, I thought by the time they've got him on the plane for the drop, he's like, 
we're all gonna die. No, maybe not, you're right. Maybe yeah, it's not on. One. Yeah, not on loop two. Uh, he okay. he kind of goes through it again, and like <laughs> even up to the moment it's happening, he's still like, "Is it gonna happen again?" Like you can yeah. see the look in his eyes where he's freaking out. Yeah, he's like just still in complete disbelief that everything's happening again exactly as it did before. Um, yeah. And uh, this time he uh, this time he goes through more or less the same thing. Um, he sees Angel of Verdun. He sees Rita fighting on the beach, and uh, uh, I think she's. I think she saves him, or vice versa. Um, he, but gets, he's, he saves her, but he gets shot in the chest doing it right. And she's like, he's like, I'm hit. How is it? Is it okay? And she takes his battery and leaves him. Yeah. She's like, you have a hole in your chest. And he's like, yep. wait, really? And then he looks down and he definitely does. Uh, but yeah, he saved, he did save her life with future knowledge this first time. Like this is the first time he like really acts on it. I think in this loop where he I kind of not, yeah, he, did, he yeah. saw her get blasted by a missile. Yeah. That's uh, not just, that's through. not just yet because right. uh, I don't even know if he, yeah, I guess he must see her in the first loop through. Um, he does, but he yeah. He does, so he dies. He dies even earlier. And like you said, Rita grabs his battery pack and runs off. And he dies, <laughs> and then he wakes up right. again. So now we're in loop three. Um, and in the first two times through, Kibble, who's the fat guy in J Squad who doesn't wear pants with his mech suit, yeah. uh, one of the dropships like lands on him. Right. Um, so this time, he tries to save Kibble uh, and is he he gets hit with the plane instead so right. he dies again uh no, first he tries to warn everybody then he starts to make attempts at changing things right yeah himself yeah first he tries first he's like holy shit i'm reliving the same day we're all gonna die and he's like trying to tell uh bill paxton he's trying to tell j squad they eventually um duct tape his mouth yeah but my favorite part of this whole thing um is that paxton's like this guy's crazy and i don't care because at the end of the day, his job is to keep everybody ready in uh, for this invasion regardless. But everybody else is really freaking out. The longer cage is allowed to speak <laughs> and, and he's uh, like, they're, they're buying it by the time they're on the ship. Right. And he's just screaming through his, uh, his duct tape. Yeah. One of the other and soldiers is like, what is he saying? Yeah. They're, they're like really worried about it. And they, yeah. fi he finally gets out of the tape and, He's like, the ship's about to explode. And then it does. And then it does yeah. <laughs> it's like a little too late. He's so not quite good. able to affect yeah. anything just yet. Um, right up to he tries to s shove Kibble out of the way. Right. And he dies uh, instead. So then we hop into loop four. And this time it just goes right back to that moment. Um, yeah. And this time he does save Kibble. And then he's immediately hit by like a Humvee. Yeah. Uh, he's just run the fuck over. Uh, so now we're into just like we're we're the movie is like shorthanding. You're just like, right. you're able to see, Oh, okay. Well, all that stuff earlier he's been through or he's, right. a, he's attempted again. He's, he got up this far. Um, so then in loop five, he saves Rita from a mimic, uh, like mm -hmm. in this downed, uh, like what do you, I don't know what you call it. Drop ship. No, and, see. Okay. So this is, I think the first time the movie skips. Yes. Um, so because by when we see him catch up to Rita at this point, he is uh, he like saves her and then he like shoots a mimic without looking at it and like is yes. talking to her and stuff. And it's definitely now we're starting to get where the movie gets really clever yeah. and it's skipping a bunch of it's skipping however many loops he's been through 
to get us to the point where he's able to affect the next change in the story. And we stop in a big way. We stop like following cage as the viewpoint character and we start following Rita. Uh, and it's, it's killer. I really like the way the movie is kind of constructed this way. Yeah. And and Um, it gets to the point where you never really know how many times he's done any given thing. Um, uh and it it keeps using it in new ways that are, yeah, it's really smart. Interesting. Um, and, and so I just wanted to say like, for purposes of our breakdown, I'm going to keep counting chronologically, okay. but we're going to point out, like Phil just did, that, um, you know, okay, so this is loop five, but loop oh. five indicates, uh, you know, an amount of previous loops where he's saves Rita, probably died doing it several times yeah. while he learned where the mimics were coming. So you could, you could interpret it, you know, tw- 10 12 a dozen times that right. he got to this point, right? It's like five plus N. We have yeah. no, no idea. <laughs> no. Yeah, it could be any number of them. Um, and so he gets her out of this this uh, hover ship, and then he's like, you have, like, come on, the ship's about to explode. And she, reali- she realizes, having seen him fight the way he did and the way he's anticipating the ship, that she knows what's happening to him. And so she just throws down her sword and says, come find me when you wake up. And he's like, come the fuck on, the ship's going to explode. And she repeats herself and then it explodes and they both die. Uh, And then he wakes up again. So now we're on to, you know, theoretical loop six, though, again, who knows how many it's been at this point. Uh, And so uh, this time, okay, this is another clever thing. The movie does is where even though we're we're okay we're back in a loop and it's like okay we've already seen him get uh, intercepted by bill paxson and go through all this other stuff we see a different part of the day that cage has clearly lived through before but we as the viewer have not seen before where they're doing pt and like they're jogging around the base yep um so uh bill paxson says something and uh cage like pre-plan smart mouths to him and gets everyone doing push-ups um and again and again it that action indicates he's done this before enough to be able to plan um when to mouth off and when to get you know forced to do push-ups yeah um and then there's these humvees that are coming up and his plan is to one of the best the one of the most hilarious moments of the movie where uh, he's anticipating these Humvees and he like times his roll so he can escape his platoon and he rolls and he just gets completely run over yeah. by the Humvee. <laughs> Bill Paxton yeah. just recoils in fear. Like, what the <laughs> hell were you doing? Yeah, he's uh, just blown away by it. Something that uh, I think really could have helped this movie in marketing to go back to that discussion real fast is more acknowledgement of how really funny it is. It gets really funny. Um, once the movie stops taking Cage's death seriously, it allows them to do these really, like you mentioned, the, the little shorthands of like unexpected goofy moments. There's some there. I mean, they're in any other context, they'd be horrifying, but they're become goofy because of the, the lack of consequence. Yeah. And so, yeah, he gets run over. He gets just de- destroyed by a truck. And it's just a it's just a chance for Bill Paxton to like smart off at him a little bit like in the bit in perfectly in keeping with his character to just be not horrified by what happened, but just 
like shocked at how dumb he is. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and then cause from his away. perspective is this guy who, you know, is basically court martialed, like yeah. just committed suicide by getting run yeah. over, which must be a horrible, <laughs> horrible yeah. way to die. It's just so bad. And yeah, it's great. So it's, I, I kind of wish that was that they, uh, had drawn back a little bit on the fact that it's like, it's crazy sci-fi action. And throwing in a little more of the fact that it gets really clever and really funny. All yeah, I feel to- like you could, I'd have to go back and look at the trailers, but I feel like you could construct a trailer that is basically a two minute version of the movie. And I don't yeah. mean like start to finish, but like it starts off as if a normal like sci-fi action movie trailer. And then you start to get the loops. Yeah. So just as, you- uh, just as soon as you like get that, uh, Tom Cruise is, bill cage and then you know just as just as as he's getting to like the sci-fi hero part he just gets owned by a truck yeah exactly (laughs) and and it's like this is perfect why aren't you using this it's great yeah yeah they definitely uh you know the tone of the movie is like is perfect but they clearly that clearly didn't translate to the marketing materials so anyway um so okay now in loop seven uh we're right back at that same point and he tries again with his role and he succeeds. He, he, he gets through there. Um, yeah. Uses and, the truck for cover and he's able to kind of get away from the, everybody, anybody seeing him. Yeah. He like, he, he like runs along beside it so that they don't see him leaving pretty much. Right. And by the time they figure out he's there, presumably like he's long gone. Right. Um, so he finds, he finds Rita at kind of like a supersized shooting range where people are like wearing their suits and, there are these, uh, uh, like training, like spinning wheels of death training yeah. mimics that they're they crazy. Have. And, uh, and then this is a scene we'll see over and over again where Rita is basically in plank on the floor, like out in the middle of this floor. And, uh, you know, she's like, she's a war hero. Uh, she's right. like the war hero. So, um, people are like eyeing him suspiciously, even trying to go up and talk to her. There's this moment I like here where, okay, those, those like spinning wheels of death are flying around while she's out on the shooting range and he's trying to get her attention, uh, which he can't do. And finally he has to just cross into the danger zone, not knowing where these things are moving. And what I like about it is that he's clearly nervous to do it, but this is kind of the first sign. Well, if you combine it with him rolling and getting run over by the Humvee, it's kind of the first sign that he's losing his fear of death. Right. Um, like he understands that he's going to reset. And so he's still afraid of dying, but he recognizes like, okay, you know, the consequences are limited because I'm going to reset again. So if in order to get to Rita, I have to walk across like uh, effectively a minefield. Well, so hmm. what? I guess I have to do it. Um, right. So it's just like a, a nice little moment that sh- starts to show his transition into the hero he'll become. Yeah. And uh, just the bravery of it, which is a big part as he becomes more capable. Yeah. He, he's, he's not a coward anymore, partially because like he's not going to die, but also he gets better at just seeing the fact that he's got to do stuff and you know, it takes what it takes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's good. There's it, Cage has a fun arc in this movie, and I like it. Yeah, it's great. Um, 
This actually loop seven is probably the longest. It might be the longest loop in the movie. I have to like time it, but it accomplishes a lot. So we're kind of done through the repetition sequence for, or th- at least that one. Um, and he finds Rita and she's like, who the fuck told you you could talk to me? And he's like, you did uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And <laughs> yeah. She realizes that um, what's happening to him is what, or rather that that what happened to her is now happening to cage and and he realizes that like oh she told me this because he she she had it happen to her also right the Um, reason she was so good at verdun and the reason she was able to more or less help them win quote unquote was because of this uh ability this time travel ability yeah and she's like, okay, you, how did you die the first time? You fought one of the big ones. You got it here. You killed one of the big ones. You got his blood on you. And now like you have this ability. Um, and you know, she says that she had it and she lost it basically, yep. which you don't learn why yet, but we'll cover why it happens later. Um, and she sneaks him to like a weapon specialist. Who's actually like a particle physicist, like super genius, yeah. Um, hiding out. He used to be like a high ranking science officer at Whitehall. Uh, but then got on this whole time travel thing and everybody stopped believing him. Yeah. Thought he was crazy oh, wow. pants. Uh, which is interesting because she's still heralded as this hero. Well, um, she still did stuff. Right. right. And the only, the thing is, nobody remembers any of the, the loops. She's the only one who remembers any loops. Right. He so, only had it happen to him the one time. Right, exactly. Well, and, and just from everybody else's perspective, any given thing that's happening is it's an isolated incident, right? Yeah, it's happening so for the it's first just, time. It's harder. It's so much harder to believe, and you got to think. It's it's easy to forget that nobody's uh, is compiling any experience except for Cage. Yep. And the movie's uh, pretty good about this, but it's definitely a few points with Rita where you're just like, oh shit, you know, she's just good at she's good at understanding what's going on yeah. and that allows her to get around the fact that she's constantly at square one, like earlier that day in every one of the scenes that we see her in. I love, I, I love that so much from a writing perspective because what it does over time is that even though she's not compiling information or, you know, eventually feelings that cage is developing for her because he's spending, right. you know, countless and dozens of days with her, uh, is that because she experienced the same thing, um, even in even in the shorthand, even in the single day, she can kind of empathize with that. Mm-hmm. Like she understands it because even though she's not having these, this all the time with with Cage that um, he is with her, she had it happen, so she kind of gets it. Right. And so far, also Emily Blunt to... is super good in this role. Yeah, just, she's awesome. She just kills it. She's so good. Um, so you learn, you, here's where you kind of like learn the rules for the rest of the movie, which is that there's, uh, in kind of standard alien invasion fashion, there's like a single, they, they operate as a single organism. Yeah. They're Um, a hive mind. Yeah. So the mimics are like, you know, they're just like the claws, they're the worker bees. Um, and these alphas, they say it's like something in one in six something million. Yeah. 6.2 million or something like that. And then there's an omega, which is like the the central brain. And whenever an alpha dies on the battlefield, the omega resets the day. Um, right. So it has this power that uh, Cage has been experiencing. 
And, but yeah. now it remembers everything that happened. So it can take that information and use it. Um, right. So basically anytime it's losing a battle, eventually an alpha gets killed. Yep. Um, but it's rare enough that it doesn't happen super often. Yeah. So this implies, um, so, you know, we're counting loops, but it definitely means that there's been a ton more looping going on than we're aware of. Yes. Right. So for them to get to the invasion, the first loop that Cage experiences is definitely not the first timeline no. of the movie or even of of the invasion. Right. The invasion has happened countless times before. And maybe it was successful the first time until they killed an alpha. Right. And right. maybe they really did get the drop on the Omega and the uh, the monsters. But it's been countless other loops since then. And now they're getting just totally wiped out. And that's exactly uh, what Cage is trying to do. So it's just there's all kinds of messy, crazy time travel going on throughout this entire movie, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and it's like it's, it, it's impossible to right. account for it all. But but it uses it well is the point. Yeah, and and the important thing there is, um, you know, and the the shorthand that allows you to recognize that while this has been happening a lot is not only Rita and and the Battle of Redun, but this invasion where it's supposed yeah. to be a surprise attack and actually it's a massacre. So it's like, like you said, at some point, uh, the human allied forces had some level of, of success, but that success has scaled back and scaled back and scaled back. Um, yeah. And who knows how many times it happened before it got to this point and Cage became involved just through sheer variation. Right. Um, and it's just, um, well, and how many times did he die and just die? Right. But anyway, um, it's, uh, it's just, it's worth mentioning because so many movies that run time loops are not good about really having an idea of the antecedents to those time loops or how things would have gone ahead. And this movie is actually pretty solid about, you know, the idea of that the consistency of how time loops work and how they're a part of the story all the way through. Um, even from other characters perspectives and stuff, I guess is what I'm getting at. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, um usually when we get a loop, it's like, there it impl the the story for it to work implies that there have to be you know antecedent timelines timelines we're not seeing before loops happen and this movie is like yeah full on there are they just are and of course and you don't need to know them to explain it which is good and it's not an oversight on the movie's part you know it's just baked in as part of the conceit of uh, of how the story works. To me, it's the ideal, it's kind of the ideal way to tackle a time travel story. And it's not often done because it's really hard to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the two versions you see most often are we are starting at the impetus of time travel. And so there aren't other loops because this is the first time it's happened. So that's one version. Mm -hmm. Or, um, or, you know, you, there's stuff like the first time we see it happen where it's clearly implied that there's a looping going on or, you know, there's, yeah. there's someone from the future or like a, a future version of yourself that's looping back on yourself. So it's like, oh yeah, this is happening a lot, but, but the story doesn't actually properly account for it because you're so locked into the perspective of your main character who is not typically in that situation, you know, the, the right. Marty A as it were. Yeah. Uh, so this is, uh. This is well done. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you don't have 
the issue of the clean of needing to see the clean version of the timeline to really get what's going on, which is a thing that we bring up all the time, right? You yeah. know, is the the implied clean version of time before the time travel happens. It's because there's so much time travel in this movie. They they do a really good job of just kind of working with it, and you know, being aware that you know, that it must be going on enough that it makes sense. So you don't we don't have to waste a bunch of time on it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that they they tell him here is that they ask him if he's had visions yet, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" And they tell him that eventually. Once you've looped enough times, you're going to start having visions because the Omega is looking for him. He's he's basically, he's, you know, he's a flaw in the Matrix. Um, right. That is like messing up their reset ability. So the Omega is trying to find him and, uh, and he is, I don't, you know, through whatever. It's like movie magic shorthand that he's basically getting more and more ingrained into whatever the yeah. Omega is trying to do. But they want him to see the Omega yeah. so that he can he's see where it is telepathic signals basically from the hive mind. Right. And yeah, they're hoping that when they start getting those telepathic signals, they'll, he'll be able to locate the thing and then they can go kill it once and for all. Yep. And he's like, how am I going to do that? I'm not even trained for combat. <clears throat> and then they start their first combat bit. Yeah. Uh, and so they're out with the suits, like fighting those spinning metal, uh, training mimics. And, uh, he gets hit in the back with one <laughs> and, uh, and flies against the wall and he breaks his back. Like he can't feel anything but his lips. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, she tells him, okay, there's one rule. And the rule is if you get injured, you have to die because what happened to her is that she got injured and she was bleeding out and she woke up in an infirmary with someone else's blood and she lost the power. So so <clears throat> this is probably the main plot hole, if there is one, Yeah. Um, in that like, okay, so we we're talking about how its consciousness is resetting constantly, yeah. right? And But there has to be some physical component, obviously, because blood is involved and the blood is what gives him the time travel power. So right. I don't know. It's hard. This is hard to reconcile. He must, he's physically traveling back, but cause it's the same body. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Not, we're yeah, just going to go. True. It's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a good movie rule for the whole situation. Right. You know, because he has to die and then dying is important, but it, it doesn't track as far as, uh, how, what whatever the temporal displacement idea here is he's not physically going back it seems like otherwise like you were saying earlier there should be doubles he should be finding himself back in a timeline where he already exists etc right. so um yeah so. i mean the the benefit of the doubt i'll give the movie is that like they're using the term blood but because these are like alien whatever's like yeah who knows okay well like does it really operate like our blood it's clearly in him in some way but you know, what happens when the alpha, like the alpha who dies gets reset is then suddenly alive. So it's like that, even that is like, okay, well that alpha is not dead anymore, right. but it's still, it still has the ability to reset. So I, I agree with you. It's like, yeah, it doesn't really it's like track some fourth with, dimensional yeah, nonsense. Exactly. It's like, it's like time fluid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, he's in, he's been 
bombarded with tachyons or some garbage yeah, like that. Totally. <clears throat> um, so, uh, okay. So, uh, she shoots him in the head. Um, <laughs> she will often do cause he, you know, he's almost, his back's yeah. fucking broken. And so now uh, we're on I to love, the... Rita does not give a shit. She's no. like, yep, time to die. Also again, <laughs> she gets it. She's like, this is the way it is. Um, I, I, part of me like wishes, you know, I think the way that the movie works is that, uh, like the day, even though it's from Cage's perspective, like the day does go away. Like it does get rewritten completely, yeah. but it's fun to imagine if that didn't happen, what the aftermath would be <laughs> of her well, just like shooting some other soldier in the head and everybody like, Oh, the movie, what the hell? The movie totally implies it. The movie kind of implies that each of these days, like that's true because Paxton off. reacts to him exactly. getting run over. Exactly. Yeah. So either he didn't die right away. Um, but then did a second later, which, that's, okay, maybe that's probably, but true. probably I, the way we usually talk about time travel is that time travel causes a rewrite in the timeline such that you can never return to that old timeline as a time traveler, right? It's rewritten. It doesn't exist, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist for the people who are part of it. In the timeline you left, uh, like if you go with multi, uh, the idea of like a multiple, a multi-universe, multiverse, and all these timelines spin off into different worlds, which could works with our usual interpretation of rewriting timelines and stuff, you know, right. um, because we're talking about coming back to timelines where there are doubles and stuff. These are they're almost separate worlds. So if you assume that each of these resets for cage doesn't necessarily take everybody with him then there are a bunch of timelines where cage died everybody died emily blunts up on charges like <laughs> there's all kinds of bad stuff yeah. that's going on um they're all super bad everything everything in those worlds everything in those realities is really terrible yeah but well, uh, but then you also have to uh you also have to account for the ones where things went badly for the mimics right yeah exactly there are other timelines where there's other ones where like maybe they won or got close to of course they couldn't have won all the way um otherwise they would have killed the omega uh, which we'll, well get they to. could have they just we don't know because it ends for the omega at the out al- at the death of the alpha maybe they just kept pushing through and finished them off you know every yeah, time an because alpha of the way this movie ends i feel like it you know, the death of the Omega is like more permanent, right? I mean, for these characters, for the for the version, well, for Cage, really, it's a really selfish kind of time travel idea. For if you if you follow this down, it's like the only character for whom things are getting fixed is the 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 consciousness of the Omega is finding the ideal timeline for itself, right? And right. kind of just leaving and abandoning these other timelines. Um, and same thing is going with Cage, like. If Cage dies in all these timelines and they go on, which they could, um, they go on to whatever conclusions they have, but they're not the ideal timeline for Cage specifically. Yeah. I I think the move, the way the movie wants to play it, and I think it, it is pretty successful in doing so, uh, is that there is one timeline that's being overwritten. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. But I, the interpretation of multiple universes certainly fits with all the information we have is all I'm saying. Right. So it's not against the rules. Yeah. <laughs> to say all these things are. Sure. It's really just bad. like, you know, <laughs> as, as thing as, you know, as we learn in Rick and Morty week after week, 
you know, like the, it undercuts the, uh, the meaning of things when it's yeah, just exactly. like infinite everything. It's like, right. you know, so for dramatic purposes, at least they're, they're like, there's one timeline and we're doing it over yeah. and over again until yeah, absolutely. we come out the other side of it. From our perspective, which is Cage's perspective, yeah. there is the only, only the one timeline. Right. But if you sat with anybody after he died and saw for real what happened, it's like, does, do they just blink out of existence? We don't actually know. Which is just interesting. I didn't even think about this until now is that, um, you know, it's not that like basically cage is an alpha, right? Yeah, so it's like, exactly. it's not just that he's resetting. He is resetting everything because he, yeah. what, what his death is triggering the Omega to cause that temporal like ripple. Right. So like right. in theory, he could be going about his day, his repeat day, and another alpha could die and then the day would reset and like he would be none the wiser. Like yes, he would reset exactly. also, but like he just happens to be the alpha that's dying. Um Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's Yeah, and it's lucky that. because um he's since he's not part of the hive mind, he's not giving the information back to the omega that it would otherwise be getting right from alpha that died yeah right so you're right exactly like the only thing that keeps this from being a total clusterfuck basically is the rarity of the alpha alien yeah you know and Which comes it's, probably, it's also the reason that the whole vision thing starts to happen and the omega starts to freak out it knows something's going on yeah but it doesn't know what it is and yeah and it's like how come how come we're resetting so fast all the whole time? That's not supposed to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. I remember winning this battle yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. So now uh, we're on to loop eight. Uh, and now we're kind of into a training montage. Loop eight. Yeah. He goes again. He finds Rita again and again. Like, keep in mind, he has to do this all over again. He has to go through getting <laughs> found by Paxson and go through PT and roll under the Humvee and then go and convince Rita all over again that the same it's thing is happening. It's got to be exhausting. Again. He's just right? doing it again and again. Uh, and But, the again, the movie smartly cuts out all that and goes straight to, you know, it, him finding her and then into training. And... Uh, um, he gets hurt and then he kind of meekly tries to convince her to not like, no, no, I might be okay. And then he's like, okay, <laughs> you can do it. Like, like meekly tries to convince her to not shoot him in the head, but then yeah, she does. Cause it still and, sucks to get shot in the head over and over again. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Like you don't want to even, even though you know, you're going to reset dying still sucks. That's an important point. Um, loop nine, uh, they have this discussion and I, I think Luke nine is another one where he's like doing a bit better, um, on the field. And it's, yeah. it, you know, it implies that he's done this more than just the two times we've seen. Um, so he's training and then he starts talking to Reed. He's like, stop the machines. And he's like, maybe like if it's in my blood, we can transfer it. She's like, I've tried it. And he's like, mm. you know, have you tried all the ways? And he's basically like, implying what if what if we have sex and i'll give the power back to you <laughs> uh which is kind of a terrible joke but she is not having it and lets him get owned by one of the machines um then but loops back to loop 10 and then i i like counted here and <laughs> and loop 10 to 22 kind of do like a just rapid fire you're just like cutting getting shot in the head cutting back to him waking up training getting shot in the head over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, which like, okay, you can count all those 10 through 22, but 
again, the, the implication is that he's going through this a lot of times, even if it's more than that dozen. Right. Um, okay. So loop 23, he finally, before he wakes up between dying and waking up, he has this vision of the Omega. Uh, he sees, he sees like a dam in the mountains in Germany. Yeah. German writing. He sees German writing. So now we go back to Dr. Carter. Um, but you know, now he remembers all this stuff, uh, because the first time we saw Dr. Carter was, it was actually the first time they had met. And, uh, so now that they know where it is, um, Rita's like training time's over and now it's time to go to the beach. Um, yeah. Because, now we have to figure out how to get there. Yeah. And, and get through tomorrow. And the only way okay. in is through the mainland, which means they have to join the invasion. Right. Um, so, okay. So loop, loop. Uh, well, I guess it would still be on loop 23. They go to the beach and Rita dies. Right. Yep. And loop 24, um, 25, 26, 27, like he, Rita keeps dying on the beach. Like, and he's learning a little bit about the battle each time. And they're trying to coordinate because each day he's having to be like, okay, you come here and then you step this way and then you turn around and shoot this mimic. So he has to remember for himself and also tell her what she's supposed to do so that they can like hack this battle and the two of them can get through. And not get murdered at any point because it's just a disaster all the time. Even if... Even on a good day, like the mimics are hard to fight. They're coming out of the ground. You know, it's easy to get killed, even yeah. with a fair amount of foreknowledge uh, by, well, one, just by randomness because there's a lot going on. But two, because the mimics are super formidable. So it's yeah, really, they go through this a bunch of times. Every time, you, every time you get through a step, like, okay, you killed this mimic and that's as far as you've gotten before, then you don't yeah. know what's next. And like very yeah. likely the next thing will kill you. And then yeah. it's like, okay. Now, uh, now I have to go through all that, and then this next. Well, and even thing. if, even if it doesn't, you have to remember it. Yeah. Because you have to remember how you solved it in that moment, so that you know how to solve it later. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to. It's got to be. Like I said, it's got to be exhausting. Totally. It's so tough. Another another interesting thing I was thinking about is like, okay, because it's like mental. It's a mental uh, time travel. Like he's re re waking up. It's a consciousness transfer, right? He's like we right. re waking up in his old body like his training is completely memory based it's not physical like imagine if he had the physique of kimmel you know he's like the the pantless guy like he's not actually getting physically faster and stronger um because each day he's back in his schlubby body from a day ago like he's that's it's not cumulative so yeah exactly Uh, yeah and which means that he's there's an upward limit of what he can really accomplish physically. And, you know, you can remember everything, but it doesn't matter if you're not fast enough. Right. Yeah. So it's a bummer. (laughs) And like, thankfully, you know, he's as in shape as Tom Cruise is. All right. And he has this mech suit and, uh, for her part, you know, despite the same thing, having once been true for Rita, like she clearly like, she clearly has trained since she lost the power. Like she's a badass. So like he's fighting alongside an actual super soldier. Um, so like, even though he, she doesn't have the ability to reset because he's resetting her, like she is, you know, she's fucking awesome. All right. Uh, so that's helpful. Okay. So at the end of, uh, 
loop 27 he's like he's like clearly getting tired there's this nice moment where like he's looking at her dead on the beach and then you know the next loop he's (laughs) kind of looking at her being alive in training and he's just you can tell he's thinking about like all the times that he's watched her die right um and and like have it (laughs) how how much that's been his fault over well, and, and just it's yeah how painful it is you know especially when you're spending a lot of time with this person starting to care about them and just over and over watching the pain that they yeah. have to go through and yeah the movie tries it desensitizes us to it a little bit by making it fun but it also does a good job of making sure that we're still aware of the stakes and you know cage can't die but everybody else can yeah and and even if he gets it and it starts to imply that even if he gets it right, the damage is still really, really catastrophic. And that's a bummer. And he's like taking all that to heart. Yeah. Cause you know? eventually when he succeeds, like anybody who actually died, like when he stops looping, right. anybody who dies on that day is actually going to be dead. Yeah. Like, he can't no save anybody on the point. beach. Yeah. You know? I mean, he can, he saves a few people, but anything that happens when he's gone, or anywhere that he's not physically there to do anything about it. It's like, that sucks, you know? Yep. Um, so uh, there's another, oh yeah, so he kind of has that moment with Rita, and then he goes outside, and uh, Kimmel and uh, another one of his J-Squad uh, mates, like, find him, because, you know, as far as they've, as far as their day has gone, he's been missing since he rolled away doing push-ups during PT, and so, like, they're all pissed at him because they all got uh, their asses handed to them by Bill Paxton <laughs> for yeah. for running away. And it's been on them to, like, keep after him um, and find him. And Yeah, yeah. They try yeah, and fight him. I think it's Skinner him. and Kimmel? Yeah, I think it's Skinner. Him. So they try and fight him, and he's like, can we not do this today? So he's <laughs> clearly had the same interaction many times and then he like closes his eyes and the guy tries to kick his ass but he dodges every punch and it's another indication that he's gone through even more times than we're seeing yeah another bit of the day we've never seen before but it's just super real yeah it's so it's so smart how it does that it's like it's you know we're on a loop but the movie has the ability to show you different parts of the day and different parts of cage's day um to keep it not being boring uh, so on loop 28, he doesn't go to the beach. He, uh, he rides a motorcycle into London and just goes drinking at a bar. Um, and there's some like D-Day illusions here. There's like old people yeah. drinking in a bar talking about actual D-Day and the greatest generation, etc. And then, uh, uh, there's like warning sirens and a um, bunch of mimics are coming down the Thames and he gets owned. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's the big like reminder that you can't get out of this. You know, it's, it, it really is for all the marbles here. Right. You know, even if you, even if you just bail on the invasion, there's nowhere to go. Right. Can't, he can't escape this. It's, yeah. You know, he says the invasion to, fails. That's how bad the invasion fails is that they're in London like an hour later. Right. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. They just, they just roll through them. So he, mm-hmm. he says to the people in the bar, like, Oh, I've been out there more than anybody. Um, mm-hmm. and he says, usually I'm dead by now. So basically <laughs> yeah. skipping the battle and he learns that by doing so, you know, they just come and invade London. I, right. I kind of interpreted this the first time as like, 
oh, the Omega is closing in on him. Like just the way that that scene played, because those mimics yeah, like maybe. come down the Thames and then they like lunge at him specifically to kill him. But I don't know if that's actually, I don't know how true that is. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know that it has as much. I don't think that's what we're trying to see here, right. given that we have the later scene where they actually do ambush him, you know, with purpose in mind. And this just seems like he's in the way and they're broadly kind of slashing at everything. So yeah. it still doesn't have an idea of who he is yet. I don't think that, I don't think that the Omega is really able to differentiate him from anybody else in most no. situations. Right. No. It's, it's like when we see mimics, we can't really tell mimics apart. Right. Uh, the blue one happens to be different because it's bigger and blue, but that's the rest of them are, they all look the same and it's probably the same way for the aliens and us. Right. That's so, true. He just happens to be, that's why they there. lure him to a specific place. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, loop 29, it's like, okay, they know where the Omega is, but cage is convinced that they can't get off the beach. He's like, no matter how many times I try, no matter what I do, but, on but then they, then they do. do get off the beach like yeah. immediately <laughs> yeah, like like on that on, in the very next scene they get off the beach so yeah. and yet another implication that he's gone through however many more times like he's after he went and felt sorry for himself and went drinking he's like okay the only way through is forward so yeah he went through the loop countless other times um so they like they like steal a car uh he tells her yeah. to not forget to unhook the trailer um, but she does yeah, forget they've been, they've been through this scene where they come across like a big trailer park area and apparently they've been there enough times that they've checked just about every car. But this is where we start to realize that cage isn't giving us all the information Yeah, because he's like, he goes, Oh yeah, no. So we've been here a bunch of times. The only two cars we haven't checked are that car and that car. Right. And, but then he tells her, he's like, don't forget to unhook that thing. And he kind of gives her a bullshit excuse, but played to me, like he was trying to, to get her to change this thing. She keeps fucking up every time they come through here, which is yeah, to unhook so that too. damn trailer. Right. Well, and she says to him like, okay, well, what's the plan up to now? And it's like, well, the plan yeah. is we're going to go and get these go and you know, start this car. But then instead they're like okay we're gonna split i'm gonna go here i'm gonna go here right. because he's like we get ambushed basically yeah so the way they well, avoid getting him. ambushed is they change what the plan is right but also what we're seeing and we this is implied in a few more in the next scene basically is he where he lays out the fact that he's actually been doing this is cage is now not only trying to execute the plan trying to keep rita alive trying to remember everything that happens but also trying he's actively using his future knowledge to manipulate Rita because she will not listen to him and he's uh, he's putting her in situations that are trying to get her out of harm's way. Yes. That's what I that's what I could try out of this is that they've been here a bunch of times. Yeah. And he knows when she's gonna die, but also he knows uh, enough about her as a person to know when she's gonna buck him and be stubborn about stuff. Right. right? So Yeah, there's this there's a really great scene um between them on the in the car where he you know it's clearly they've been further than this before you're like okay yeah. how many times have they been here and he's talking about stories that she's told him on previous loops and uh there's a joke about her telling him 
her middle name and it's wrong, but there's other yeah. parts of his story that are maybe true. And she's like, well, Which why? I, I wonder if he bullshits her on purpose right there. This is what I was thinking. No, I think he does. I day. think he absolutely yeah, does. He makes up, he's making up a name that he knows is not her name. Yeah, because <laughs> she doesn't know how many times he's been through or how far exactly. they've gotten. So he can just act like he did in order to like get right. a piece of information that uh, she needs. And there's this small little detail here, which is so smart, which is he mentions this name Hendrix and she tenses up and she's like, you yeah. know, how do you know that name? Like, why would I, I wouldn't have told you that name. And, you know, he, he doesn't know the deal with his name. He just has heard it mentioned evidently. Um, and basically she's like, you know, he's, he's dead. Like I watched right. him die 300 times and you realize that Hendrix is, uh, her Rita. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, that he, she had the same experience and there was somebody she was going through this with every day that she couldn't save. Um, and it's so smart, especially in light of what happens in the next scene where you, in that moment, you understand that he is developing these deep feelings for her because he's spending probably at that point, 300 days with her, you know, almost every day for a year for him. Uh, but also that on some deep level, like I mentioned earlier, she understands what, as much as she, like, I just met this guy earlier, like yesterday, and she doesn't really know him. She understands how he is feeling about her because she knows how she felt about Hendrix. And it's like so short, but accomplishes so much. Yeah. Um, it's very cool. So let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about that. What that happens is they get to the, so the, the batteries on the jackets run out, first of all. So they abandon them. The run, they run out of gas for the cars. So they stop at a farm um, and where the, the farm has a little helicopter. And they're like, let's, she's kind of hurt, I think, from the caravan fight. So they have to like they take a minute to uh, patch up Rita and they're like looking for the keys. But she's starting to get she's starting to get antsy about the whole thing. She's like, we can't find him. This is a dead end. We need to find a different plan. I'm going to kill you now. Um, and he's he's just doing this thing where he's like, hang on, I'm going to let me see if I can find some coffee. Let's just figure our shit out for a minute. Right. And what he's actually doing and it becomes very clear after a minute um is he's just trying to buy time to hang out with her for a few minutes in a non completely dangerous situation. Yeah. You know, it's, and he has to lie to her a bunch, which is, is awful. But, um, but yeah, like he knows exactly where the keys are. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He's like making her coffee and he knows how she takes it. Right. Yeah. And that's how she figures it out. She realizes that he knows how many sugars she wants in the coffee. She's and, like, how many fucking times have we yeah, done this? Exactly. And where are the keys, cocksucker? What right. the fuck? Yeah, exactly. She does not take that shit well. But it's it's really nice that the movie t- kind of slows down for a minute and in both these scenes. And it's all character work here showing that he's just desperate for a little time with her that's not, you know, them dying. He's just trying to like figure out a way and it's, it's specifically the the purpose of it is that he's trying to figure out a way to get her to not get murdered right here, which always happens. Right. Um, apparently what happens is if they fire up the helicopter, a buried mimic about 20 yards away pops up, comes out and kills her. Um, and he's been through this part of the loop so many times 
which we don't know that, you know, it's our first time through, but this is the movie being super clever. Cage has been here a bunch of times, a whole right. bunch of times. And he knows that like every which way he works this, he can't convince Rita not to come and he can't figure out a way to deal with this mimic because they're out of ammo and he can't seem to keep her alive right here. So he's Does just she... trying to talk her out of coming forward any further. He's like, I can go. You can't go. Right. You get killed right here. I can't. He's There's trying nothing to save I can her. And, and like we talked and about earlier, he, he says to her like, <laughs> like, okay, you know, we'll reset. But like when we actually succeed, when we go through with this, like if you're dead, you will stay dead. So like yeah, he doesn't exactly. want to go on to the Omega and kill the Omega if, if she dies, because that means she's permadead. Right. Well, and that's it's just not her. the right. He doesn't see that as a possible solution. Right. Or he doesn't want it to be the solution. Right. And Rita doesn't. It's not that she doesn't care, but she's willing to make that sacrifice. It's more important that the Omega dies than that yeah. she lives. She's and like, who the fuck like am I? Into yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and and there's also, you mentioned earlier how like, uh, you know, the movie shifts to Rita's perspective. And this is really like when that happens, because, you know, we're really much, we're very much with, we're very much with Bill Cage. Um, and then there's oh, well, you know, you can do this. You can get off the beach. And the very next scene, they get off the beach. But because we didn't see how many more times he went through, like it probably was a right. hundred more times, right? But yeah, we just right? skip all exactly. those. So because we don't know how many times Cage has been through, like we're in, we're now with Rita's perspective because yeah. for us, so it's good. the first time through. And for her, it's the first time through. Um, so we're able to get all these little, surprises and implications yeah. i will say you know the first time i saw this movie in the theater i this like bit didn't work for me as well and it did this time i i liked it more this time because my my immediate reaction was like okay you have this day there's infinite directions to take and places to go so it's like if she dies right here and there's a mimic right there like don't go to the farmhouse like don't go there like take a different well, route. Obviously he's tried it, right? Yeah, and and I but think But they're limited also, by there's only a few cars. The whole place is under mimic occupation is the thing. Yeah, there's only so right? many places so you're limited, they can go. Exactly. Like there's, there's only so far the van can go. Yeah. And the helicopter is obviously like a huge deal because how are they going to there's no way they can drive all the way to wherever this dam is, you know. Yeah, exactly. So and it's it, in the mountains or some it, garbage. It makes sense for some other reasons, but like my my gut reaction to it when i first saw it was like um like you haven't tried everything because you're trying the same thing that doesn't work so go somewhere else um but i think you have to assume that this is like the only plausible way forward yeah given all of the other constraints right well and they are always they always have to push in the one direction right so yeah that's like you could probably you could potentially dick around forever the other thing is there there's a a ticking clock on the movie that the movie doesn't really spend a lot of time emphasizing, but uh, we get it from him being in London that one time when he was having a, having a pint is that they can only screw around um, looking for the Omega for so long before everybody dies. Right. Right. Because the invasion is still happening behind them. Yeah. Right. It's and true. So like, yeah, you could theoretically take other, courses or whatever but the mimics are rushing london all the time that that's happening and you only have as much time as you can as you can i guess justify letting a bunch of civilians die so yeah totally 
Um, so, you know, she takes the keys and starts the helicopter and gets owned by a mimic and crashes and dies and Cage kills it with a fucking axe because he's angry, which is awesome. Um, but then more <laughs> mimics come. Uh, and uh, she does tell him her middle name, her real middle name this time as she's dying. Uh, just Rose, tells him right? it's Rose. Though I, I just had this thought, which is I wish that her middle, middle name was Iris or like something or like Isabel because then her initials would be R.I.P. Um, <laughs> no, too Aww. much. Uh, so he dies from mimics and... Um, uh, so he resets and we're on yeah, to loop this? 30, but it's probably loop 300. I, I feel like her estimate with Hendrix is like probably a pretty good one. So loop, you know, 30 or 300, uh, he goes to find her, you know, pretty disheartened, demoralized. Like yeah. he's gonna have to do this all again. He doesn't know what the way forward is. And when she's like, did I tell you who told you you could talk to me? Is there something on my face? He's like, sorry to bother you. And he cuts yeah. her out basically. Yeah. The, solution like, they, the best solution he can come up with is to not involve her at all. Yeah. Which, uh, <clears throat> you know, who knows what happens to her on the beach without his involvement. We haven't seen that, but probably she dies there. Yeah. Probably so, she dies. He just doesn't want to experience it again. Exactly. So he decides to go with his platoon instead. So he's back in the plane, um, in the drop plane, sans Rita. Uh, and it goes, the movie goes right to, he's done it on his own and he's flying the helicopter to the mountains, but it must have taken another hundred times for him to figure out how to do it on his own. Like yeah. as, as well as he has it mapped out now, everything was like, imagine going from co-op to single player. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, right, it's exactly. way different. Um, and though maybe some parts of it were easier if he was not concerned with keeping her alive. Yeah, know? I think it has that has a lot to do with it. Um, it probably was a little bit simpler. Yeah. He just has to shoot the correct mimics, which is less difficult to really handle. I think if it's not about like stepping out of the way and stuff, right? You know, so. Uh, so he gets to this dam, um, and goes inside to where he had the vision of seeing the Omega and there's a, a mimic there. Um, but the mimic like won't kill him. Like he's right. fighting it and it basically just traps him in this room. And then this, uh, uh, and he looks down and the Omega is not there. Um, so right. it seems that he's been tricked and then an alpha shows up. Um, and the alpha also does not immediately kill him, but like slices his arm. So he starts to bleed. And right. so this has been a trap to by the Omega. Yeah, to, so good. I really yeah. like that the aliens like set an ambush, know about how their own shit works, and are are trying actively to like get them out. Yeah, you know, it's cool. It's a good. It's a good moment, and he just barely escapes it. Yeah, it's like so. I wish it were a little more clear how he escapes it, but he basically like dives under some pipes and then the alpha crushes them and he drowns. But it's like really yeah, fast. And, I had to watch it, yeah. watch it a couple times to be like, wait, how did he die? Um, yeah, so he like drown, drowns himself, just barely escaping, like losing his blood. Um, right. But so, given that, he goes back on the next loop and he goes, he's gone back to Rita and to Doctor Carter. Um, and has a new plan. He tells them like, I got there and it was, it was a, a trap. Um, and, uh, yeah. 
they're like, shit, what do we do now? Because yeah. the visions are not useful. In fact, the Omega knows enough about itself to use the visions. It's been the visions have been a trick the whole time. Right. It's like, yeah. So yeah, it was just a way to lure him there, and thankfully he was to, yeah, able to separate him so it knows that he's the one to kill. Yeah, yeah. And, whichever one shows up here is the one who is yep. fucking up this whole system. <laughs> uh, so Doctor Carter has like this transponder that he's made out of spare parts, and basically the idea is somehow you know it taps into whatever fucking magic blood and allows <laughs> you to see where the Omega is for real. It's another like hand wavy thing, but yeah, sure. For whatever reason, this one doesn't work. Um, he made a real one, but the general has it, of all people. And it was taken from him when he got kicked out of Whitehall for being a crazy. Yeah, um, they tried. They didn't listen. Well, and the other thing is they've the the thing operates on the idea that it needs an, Ome- or an alpha to work, right? And one, nobody really believes in this Omega thing. But two, nobody has really encountered an alpha. So yeah. Yeah. it's not like they have any. Right. So yeah. he's just like hanging on to this thing. Maybe they would have used it if they encountered one, but it's never happened before. So um, there's a fun scene. Oh, man, I never thought of this before. But this so they they the new plan is to go and get this transponder from the general. Right. And it's clear from the first time we see that they've tried this many times. Right. Because right. Uh, Cage is like omnipotent. He's like, yeah, you know, this guy recognizes you. Look the other way. Okay, spin. Okay, step back. They're like doing a dance to get around all these dozens of people in the hallway to march right into the general's office and basically hold him hostage until he right. gives them this thing. But I just realized that it's basically the inverse of that scene in Minority Report where he has the uh, uh, what are you? What are the? What are those? Fucking future seeing things in minority. Oh, report. the precogs. Oh, the pre-cogs. yeah. When he's yeah. hanging out with Agatha. Yeah, and I Agatha's like, yeah. you know, okay, stop, and like the balloons block him, and then like drop change for this guy, and then it trips yeah. the people. Like it's it's basically that. Only Tom Cruise is the precog. Yeah, uh, yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so, That's a parallel I hadn't drawn, but yeah, there's a lot of minority report in this. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a uh, just more awesome like exploring uncharted implications of this idea in the scene where it's like cage is so out ahead of it he's done this so many times he's like omniscient but then when he finally when the general finally hands him the transponder and rita's like what now he's like i don't know he's never (laughs) we've never gotten this far which is great it's like he's omniscient up until that next step and then he doesn't know exactly well that's the thing too is that the thing about these constant loops is not only does he see how things go, but he's always has to try something new, right? So we catch right up to where he's just tried something new in trying to convince the general to give him the thing, right? Whatever he yeah. says is the first time he said it. So there's always, there is always like that kind of grappling between knowing exactly what's going on and seeing Cage like making it up. He's constantly – the entire movie is him improvising. Yeah. At the right to. moment, you know, so like even though he's he it's all repetition, it's only a repetition for so long. And then he's just like, hope it works this time. Right. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. And so he's always trying to get as far as he can, because right. even if he's going to die, it's better to like scout so that you know what the, you know what's coming next. And in this case, they're like, well, that was easy. And they walk right out. But then they're ambushed by the guards. Um, right. And Rita smartly just 
without even stopping to think about it, caps cage in the head, like taking uh-huh. no risks is like, yeah. we're doing this all over again. Um, and so then it cuts to loop 33 and they're immediately back in a, they're escaping a different way. They're in a car this time. Um, right. And Cage jams the transponder painfully into his leg. This thing is like 12, you know, three inch long spikes. I yeah, know. right. I, I guess if it was supposed to go into an alpha, it would need to be that. Violent. It's like, yeah, it's it's like an old printer. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but the, you know, the, the printer cable that you plug in, it's got all the pins. Right, right. It's like right. that, but yeah. they're huge needles and they yeah. go in your flesh. Yeah. It's awful. Ouch. Um, <laughs> so he does that and he sees that the... Uh, Omega's actually in the Louvre in Paris. Um, And uh, so he comes back out of the vision and they're being chased. um, And then guys in, you know, guys in the jackets start chasing them. And this was another moment where I was like, as soon as he gets this information and they're being, they're being chased, like Rita should shoot Cage. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's the one point where they, they really should have, done a reset and yeah, she's usually right on the ball with those yeah and I, you know she was busy time. driving but like there's no reason for them to try and escape in this situation yeah. because cage will remember that vision so it's like yeah, as they could soon skip this all together he finished it she should just should have been like bam and mm-hmm. reset instead uh and f- for reasons that are are better for the storytelling of the movie overall yeah uh they get caught um cage gets shot in the leg so he's bleeding and then a guy in a jacket slams their car and they both get knocked out and so he's you know we kind of fade to black with him bleeding out so we're like oh he's losing it and he wakes up and sure enough he's been given a blood transfusion and uh he's lost the power so from here forward you know the stakes are real there's no more reset yeah exactly uh and just there's like another there's a re-emphasis of Rita being a badass where he like is trying to flip his table over or whatever and someone comes <laughs> in the room and it's her and she's like I got out of those in like three minutes what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah um, she's, she's always hassling him and it's funny yeah uh, it's like yeah we know because she's better than him like she is. save for the power she's better at him than I mean she was him. always a better soldier too because she was actually a real soldier yeah and then she got you know a year of special training that no one else has yeah so it's yeah, kind she's of amazing. way out ahead of everyone <clears throat> um so uh yeah yeah she almost stabbed so it's him. time for a new plan she it's, takes she is... takes a knife and she's like sorry cage he's like no 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 they gave me new blood like that will actually kill me uh yeah right. new plan new plan is they've they've got a few hours until the invasion and yeah. so they need to get to paris uh, it's not just we need to get to the Omega, but we have to prevent the invasion from happening. Yes. Because it's still so disastrous that even if they were able to do the whole beach nonsense accurately and get to the Louvre, they don't have, you know, obviously they don't have the loops to try and make it happen, but they also, they can't let the invasion go on basically. Right. It's, which is cool. Like we've set up the stakes of how bad this is for the entirety of the movie. And now we're finally able to act on it. Yeah, which I like. It's also the idea of uh, a, a real sneak attack, because since they know they're on the last line of the loop, they're in the final timeline. They actually do know that they have the element of surprise for once. Right. And it will really come down that way. And so. and like you said, like 
you know, all the deaths will be real now because yep. there's, there's no resetting for the humans anymore. Um, so yeah, that's important and not just cage, which is important, but everybody else, like if they let the invasion happen, all those dudes die. Mm. Um, so they're like, okay, well we need equipment and we need more, uh, soldiers and where do they go? But to J squad. Um, and I really like this scene also because, you know, it's cage who uses his, uh, omniscient knowledge to like basically convince them what he's saying is true. Um, he knows everything about all of them and that helps him kind of like get his foot in the door. But what, what blows the door open is Rita. Like they're not going to follow him into battle, but they will follow the angel of Verdun. You know, she's a living legend. Um, so that's like a cool, it's just, no, no, it's just fun. It like made, made sense and, uh, showed their, you know, the balance of their partnership again. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's cool here how, like, again, you know, the stakes are real. Like they are getting their asses kicked and it's high tension because there's no more resetting. Uh, it's really effective. So they quickly shoot over to the Louvre in a dropship with the J squad guys who believe them enough to go with them. Uh, A bunch of them get knocked out. A few of them, uh, you know, like sacrifice themselves to help everybody get through. They eventually crash into the Louvre and it's just, um, it's just cage and Rita at this point trying to get there. And yeah, like it's the shorthand of it basically. Yeah, and he's an action scene. and he's still trying to save her. Like he, and trying you know, he's really like hard. all banged up. He can barely walk. Yeah. You know, he got shot in the leg like a day ago. Um, yeah, and well, and uh, he's come to be like her. Like he's not. He knows um, that he could die here for real, but he's he's not a coward anymore, right? Like he's found the things that are worth fighting for, and what's worth fighting for is is her. And you know, everybody back in London, like he's he's gotten. You got, you got to figure that Rita kind of went through the same thing, right? Where she's like dying so many times has given her real perspective yeah. about what's important. And Cage definitely has that perspective now too. Absolutely. And, you know, it's real good. It's a really – it's a, such a great arc and a parallel to the way he started the movie and the willingness to let other people fight his battles for him, you know? Yeah, though she rightfully is like, honey, neither of us are living. Yeah. <laughs> like come off it we're both gonna die um so she distracts the alpha and gets like torn to fucking shreds while he goes and drops into the water uh, with uh, yeah. a bunch of grenades to kill the omega and um the alpha's you know closing in and he's trying to rip the fucking he's still swimming toward the omega yeah. and the alpha stabs him from behind uh, pretty violently but we see he's already pulled the pins, and so the grenades right. float down into the Omega and make it explode. Yep. Um, and it dies. The end. Not really. In fact, yeah. there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh, yep. The blood from the Omega flies up and like fills Cage's body, and he uh, wakes up in the helicopter headed to yeah. Whitehall like three days ago. Fully, yeah, fully... Um, not quite a full day earlier, but several hours earlier than the loop we've been seeing. So it's a new loop or, uh, there are a couple interpretations to this. Well, actually, okay. So the end of the movie is that cage, um, wakes up and 
the newscast is basically that, hey, the mimics all died. That's right. weird. Huh. And nobody well, knows they, what happened. What Cage they, knows what happened. Yeah, what they, what they say is that there's been no resistance. So I feel like There's it's... no mimic activity. All mimic right. activity has ceased. Yeah. They... They do run, you know, they sent people to go check it out and they found they're wandering around Europe finding nothing there anymore. Yeah. Right. So it's, they didn't even run their invasion They're They've, they're, the intelligence says that there are no more mimics. So they're going to do the whole thing the way they've been doing it. But as it turns out, there's nothing left. So, so it's, you, you were talking to me about this over well, Gchat the other day. I mean, yeah. M- I think we both had the same reaction when we first saw it, which is like, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a cheat, right? It feels like, like a movie move yeah, a little bit. Like send it back before everybody is there. And of course the movie ends with him, like finding Rita who doesn't know yeah. who he is, but it's like his eyes well with tears. Yeah. And he's smiles. just like super excited. Yeah. To and see it all her. worked out. All the J squad guys are still alive. Everybody who died in the invasion is still alive. Yeah. Um, like, the movie sets back far enough that it's a happy ending that it doesn't, at first, it doesn't feel like it super earns it, but I feel like I might have it. I might, I might buy it. Well, the, I mean, I like it because it's a good, it's a good move for the story. Uh, so, even if so it doesn't before make you sense. give your before you give your explanation, like uh, from a time travel perspective, I didn't understand. I still don't understand, and maybe you have thoughts on this. Why their success uh, automatically transfers back two days? You know. Because right. where Cage wakes up is two days before, and they're like, oh, there was a big energy surge from France, and all the mimics are gone. It's like, well, is it retroactive, like, that it it made the mimics fail two days beforehand? Um, well, they that didn't That part fail. I didn't understand. They, they just died, right? right? They, just, they just fell no, over No, but that's, that's what I'm saying, is, like, yeah. it still seems like, even if Cage reset, that that, that, I don't know, I guess, I guess. I mean, it's. It's a whole thing. Yeah, um, it's confusing because somehow, well, somehow that the cage blowing up the Omega and all the mimics ceasing to be um, took effect two days before he actually did it. Right. Okay. So here's here's my canon head canon interpretation of what's going on here. It sort of makes sense. You kind of have to, you know, meet the movie halfway. We might be this might be a head canon kind of thing, but it seems like it makes sense to me that. At least, at the very least, uh, the movie that we're seeing from Cage's point of view is a loop within a loop, right? So you've got Cage's loop that we keep seeing. It starts with when he wakes up at Heathrow and it runs for a day and then he dies or whenever I guess he dies. But he always dies at the end of that day and he doubles back, you know, roughly 24 hours. Um, But we know that the Omega has been waging this particular battle enough times that it has it so down that it wins with almost no casualties, right? Like it's doing, it's doing that thing it does all the time. Um, which means it has to be running the loop itself up until cage takes it over pretty much. Right. Right. Um, and that seems like the movie kind of suggests that it's a weird interaction of mimic and human physiology that even makes this possible. So we're already in who knows we're kind of making this up as we go along kind of territory. But we do know the Mimic has been doing this, or the uh, Omega has been running this day over and over again. So to me, it you can kind of uh, you can kind of make the argument, and this is what I realized then the last time I watched it, that when everything blows up at the end, 
the the death throes of the Omega are throwing it back to the beginning of the final or the beginning of its if its loop, the one that would have been taking place before Cage's loop, right? Right. We don't know anything about how the Omega's time travel works or if it's different from what Cage experiences or anything like that. So, I mean, it's it's convenient for the movie, but I also think that there's an argument to be made that it kind of makes sense to dial it back a little further right? to get like free of the time travel. Um, but, it, you know, primarily this is just a move to make the ending of the movie a lot more palatable than everyone died, but at least they were successful. <laughs> you know? Yeah, though, though so. curiously, people, people kind of, well, I don't want to say universally, but, but people in general really dislike this ending. Because I it's, I love this ending. It's like I think it's great. The, well, the criticism, uh, which I, I I understand, is that it's like too pat. Like it's a little. Neat. You went through all this For sacrifice sure. and like learning the meaning of a life and death and blah 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 and all these soldiers sacrificing themselves heroically. Cage sacrificing himself heroically, and then it all gets undone in right. a way where it's like you know there. The, I mean, it, it kind of gets undone. The difference is that the characters earn a lot and you know, they heroically sacrifice themselves, but they also go through a bunch cage specifically. Um, Rita as well. They go through, even though they don't remember it, they went through a lot of shit and it's kind of nice that they get, they're rewarded for it somewhat, you know, and the, right, and even though it, they don't, even though they don't know that they're being, well, exactly. Well, cage knows at least, and he can tell people something about what happened, but, just as in terms of Cage and Rita's relationship, it it works on a character arc level. I think it's it's better than just being like, and then it all, then everyone was dead. This is a it's a better culmination of their characters' stories, right? Right. Outside of the plot, that's what I think. Um, because what is time travel except learning about yourself? You know, and Cage does that, and like leaving him off and leaving Rita off at the end and just re- having them die doesn't accomplish that, you know? Right, I, it's true. I, well, and so, the way the way you put it to me originally, I think, was like, you know, the Omega's, the, whatever the Omega is, uh, it's, it's modus operandi is to like, oh, that sucked? Well, we're going to go back to when it didn't suck. Right, exactly. Um, like, we're going to reset. So... Uh, I mean, this this raises a couple interesting points. It's like, one, it's like, okay, well, you know, even though Cage and company won, it sucked. Like, everybody died, right? Including yeah, Cage. Exactly. So he's resetting to a time when it didn't suck. Like, it's before everything went down, everybody died. So that makes sense. The other interesting thing that that is kind of a, a dangler for the end of the movie is that, you know, everything that Cage went through in this movie was because he got the mimic or he got the alpha's blood in him right right so this last shot at the end uh with the with cage dying and uh, the omega you know dying beneath him it clearly shows the omega's blood coming up and like sprays him with the blood and filling in yeah dead dead or dying cage so it kind of raises the question like okay well if if getting the alpha's blood in him gave him that ability does getting the Omega's blood in him now like make him a human Omega? Yeah, right. 
this like, is um this is what I always wonder too is like is he doomed to immortality at this point? You know? Yes, it seems that way. And and like that's well, a suggestion for sure. Like you could definitely have like a uh, a com- I mean, no one would ever do this, but you can imagine like a comedic sequel where yeah. like, you know, he has that emotional <laughs> and he's like, "I oh, read is alive and I get to tell everybody everything and like there's no battle to be fought except he can't like whenever something goes wrong, like whenever he stubs his toe, you know, or yeah. like whatever, you know, I don't know what the parameter is. Like for the Omega, it's death. But yeah, well, if, and it's, you know, it's not even though it's death of a, it's death of a piece of itself. Right. Right. And so, so if, if yeah, Cage exactly. is the entire, is, if he's the entire yeah. organism, which he is like, mm-hmm. yeah, is he going to be stuck in a loop forever? <laughs> Well, Every time he like bangs his head or something. Yeah, I guess I guess he could just get a blood transfusion, right? That's that what would we change it. Well, yeah, but you still like they don't just go about go around giving out blood transfusions. Yeah, though that would be <laughs> that would be funny though because like it, it would make him like uh, immortal, but you know they'd go to give him a a blood transfusion and they'd poke him with a needle and then he'd reset because they'd yeah. be like, oh, you just you got injured. <laughs> you're gonna yeah. you're gonna have to try Shit. that again. It's like fuck, I'm just stuck in stuck in this loop forever. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, the way I read it is um, that the the alien itself is the is like the engine, the time machine, basically, and death is the is the flux capacitor. I suppose is the way to look at it. Right, um, it triggers it. Yeah, yeah, and so with the Omega dead, you would think that that would just be the end of the time travel. And, you know, whatever it was having a seizure or whatever in the end that reset time one more time. Right. Um, but I don't know. Who knows? Because yeah, it, could, it might just be that the blood is what allowed him to remember. In yeah, that and, one to, and to reset at all, right? Because otherwise... Well, no, well, the reset would have... What I'm saying is when the thing dies, it resets just like um, in... Uh, in a muscle in a muscle spasm right because it's just primed to do these time travel resets right even though it didn't survive it it's just blah you know yeah just like you twitch and it's just like twitching back in time (laughs) but it's already dead but no one would have remembered just like they never remember except that cage got sprayed with that stuff that apparently allows him to be kind of existing outside of the time loop right yeah, but I it's don't know. uh for for a an abil- for an entity that can manipulate time in a way that's useful insofar as war is concerned. Mm. It's actually a pretty big weakness that the Omega has to like be present and apparently in close proximity. Like it wasn't. It was you know in the middle. It was surrounded by its mimics, by its appendages, but was for all intents and purposes just it had to be pretty close. It was just in the middle of seemingly like, yeah. in Paris. It's like if it were you know a much more. I mean, uh, this would make it a, a completely different movie and perhaps an impossible <laughs> being to contend with. But like a better defense, if you could in fact manipulate time, would be to like oh the Omega is actually in fifteen ninety two. So like, yeah. it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's fucking with your, it's resetting the day in this time in 20, yeah. whatever it is, but like it's hidden in, a, in another time. So you can't even get to it um, unless you somehow are able to travel back or the other way where it's like, it's watching from the future, having already known what happens. And so I don't know, somehow you have to, 
That's some Skynet nonsense there. Yeah, it just but, gets yeah, I mean, confusing. I don't know, then, you're, then you're like out fully outside of the time stream. Right. Which is a whole thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even really want to approach that. No, I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's a speculation on a speculation. Oh, I was, yeah. the other thing I was going to say about the about the, uh, the cage potentially having the Omega's powers is even if it weren't, a Groundhog Day scenario? Like, what if he just went about his life and then, like, married Rita and they had kids and, like, lived happily ever after and then, like, at age 90, he died and then he woke up in the helicopter and he was, like, it was that kind of immortality where it's, like, he <laughs> lived, you know, he lived another 50 years and then... Yeah, he, exactly. He woke up as, as Tom that's what I again. Well, that's what I was worried about. Like, yeah, you go all the way through your entire life and then want back to... Back to yeah. age, you know, it's like, I'm 50 so or whatever. Oh, I'm is Yeah, exactly. Which is nice. There's actually a book like that. Um, Recall, I want to say. I have it on my shelf. It's real good. But um, it's basically the same idea is that this, the character has a heart attack and dies and wakes up, you know, at from age 65 to age like 20 or something like that. Right. And relives it all over again and uh, remembers everything. And tries to, um, you know, get his life back and continually screws it up because future knowledge is not a guarantee. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. It was. It's a good book and uh, definitely a cool take on the sort of Groundhog Day nonsense that we're talking about here. So, yeah, it's more upsetting for sure. Um, Man, speaking I of, I we need to decide what we're gonna do next time. Yeah. Um, thinking we could do predestination or predestination would be pretty good because then we can throw in we could do predestination and do uh uh i'll use zombies yeah well which is a short and easy read not like a book of any sort no it's like seven (laughs) pages or something yeah exactly which is good we can actually read it this time yeah you promise okay so let's do that Next time on the podcast, we're going to do Predestination, uh, yeah. Ethan Hawke movie from 2014, uh, which is based on a Robert Heinlein short story called All You Zombies. So All You Zombies. Um, you should read it. You can find it online in PDF form. Um, pretty easy, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you read the short story, you're going to know what happens in the movie. But Well, the movie whatever. does. Uh, it's a solid adaptation. Well, you should read it because it's a good old. It's like from 1959. It's just, it's kind of a seminal time travel story, Robert yeah. Heinlein. Um, but also, the movie does a pretty good job of uh, ad- adapting the short story and then taking it kind of beyond the limits of what Heinlein wrote, which is cool. So, yeah, I like it. It's a it's a fun movie. It's weird for sure, but it's fun. Uh, so read that, watch that. Um, you can find that short story online, like it's anywhere. Yeah, that's it's what free. I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah, you can definitely. It's also on Amazon. Um, but yeah, I would say look for, look for web versions. People have like posted on blogs and stuff. Um, also, if you have questions about Live Die Repeat, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, whatever the hell this movie is called, uh, yeah, please. <laughs> Write us on Facebook and like Paradox, up. the time travel podcast on Facebook. Uh, and we never talk about the Facebook page, but we have a whole Facebook page for this. I feel like we, we do. I feel like we talk about it every time. Do we? No. Yeah. 
<laughs> I feel like we talk about the Twitter every time. Yeah, anyway, well, also you can the definitely Twitter. reach us that way. Um, Twitter is probably better though. Facebook is super unreliable, honestly. Like it does a very, it's really bad about hiding messages and stuff behind weird menus and. I don't it's know. More I about, always lose, I always if you have a, like if you have a more detailed question, Facebook is better because obviously you're constrained by the character limit on Twitter. But uh, yeah. if you have quick questions, uh, Twitter's fine. I'm at he wizard. I'm at Phil Hornshaw, and honestly, it's it is the most visible way. I I just feel like Facebook hides stuff from me all the time. I feel well, bad also about we it. we're like jacked into the Twitter matrix, like we're on it all yeah. the time. So there's a the 100% chance we'll see it. Uh, cool. Well, until next time, uh, don't die, but if you do, blow up an alpha on your face first. <laughs> I have nothing to add to that. No, I turned wrong, left your heart torn. Is that what devils do? Took you so long, where only fools gone. I shook the angel and young. I'm rising from the crowd, rising up to you. Feel with all the strength I find, there's nothing I can't do.